wonderful Max Goodman about talks some Yankee baseball, some halt of off season thanks to the lockout. First things first, Max, how's it going? It's good, man. Uh, hanging in there, trying to take some time off, uh, spend some time with family, keep up with the uh, NFL, NBA, all that good stuff. Hopefully, baseball will be back soon. So, all good. Thank you. That's that's awesome. Um, as we all know, yesterday the Yankees announced their 2022 coaching staff. As we already know, Aaron Boone got the new deal, and his bench coach is Carlos Mendoza. Pitching coach Matt Blake, bullpen coach Mike Carkey. Those are the stays. Then assistant pitching coach Desi Dreischel. Hitting coach Dylan Lawson. Assistant hitting coaches, two of them. Casey Dykes. I don't know how many people heard of him, but one almost everyone heard of. That's former third baseman of the Yankees, mostly Oakland Athletics' Eric Chavez. Then third base coach Luis Rojas. And first base coach and infield coach Travis Chapman. What? Are your thoughts on the coaching staff and how do you think Eric Chavez will help this team? I think the coaching staff is looking good. Uh, I don't know how how you or, or the folks out there listening feel about Aaron Boone, but when it comes down to it, I think it was a good decision to bring him back and... Uh, the Yankees are surrounding him with, you know, a pretty solid and diverse group. Uh, a lot of different people with experience at the big league level, but also some really bright minds who have a modern perspective on how the game is played. I mean, it's kind of crazy. We're already in year three with with Matt Blake, and uh, it's also year three for Tanner Swanson. Both of those guys brought a lot of new ideas to the organization from the, the one knee down stance for catchers and Matt Blake's new, new look at pitching and, and analytics. And again, the, the modern perspective on the game. So I think that uh, a lot of these new guys, the new names are going to be able to provide, you know, more, more support. And, and the, the fact that the coaching staff is growing too, not just, you know, overfilling these different openings. Uh, they're growing it in terms of volume as well by having more coaches that can help in more ways than one, it, it, you're never going to be spread too thin. You're always going to have a coach that's able to help uh, with a certain player who has a different question and with certain aspects of the game, you know, and that was something that Aaron Boone was talking about today on a, on a zoom call with us reporters that, you know, with uh, Chavez, like you mentioned, you know, he's obviously going to primarily be in the hitting group because he's an assistant hitting coach, but he can also help in other ways too. And he has direct experience playing for the Yankees, being an elite third baseman at the big league level. And I think he'll he'll help in a big way, but I think all those other guys, maybe names that, you know, even I don't know too much about that I've got to do my research for the rest of the offseason and Yankees fans have to, to beef up and, and learn about too. But those guys are, are picked for a reason, you know, like they are the best of the best within this organization. And I think that they're all going to do a great job. Hey, Max, this is James, I have the sports dudes. Um, I have to ask this important question, my guy. Um, this has to do with the Yankees, obviously. The main thing is, is the elephant in the room, Carlos Correa. There are reports about the Cubs being heavily interested. Where do you, where do you see the Yankees' interest in Correa and ultimately is the Yankee stubbornness of thinking about Volpe or other possible shortstops like that shortstop they're going to sign from the Dominican Republic um, should stop them from getting a guy like Correa who can help them immediately and he feels a hole. Right. I've been going back and forth with the shortstop situation. I had a feeling you guys were going to ask me about this. Um, so I, I guess take my my take on it with a grain of salt because I've been kind of, you know, switching up my, my opinion on this over the last couple months. Um, you know, I think Correa is a great fit just on paper. You know, he's the best shortstop available at this point. I think he's, he's always been the best shortstop available this off season. And it's hard to ignore 
just, you know, all other factors aside, he would fit right away, like you said, and, and help this team win because of how talented he is. He's so young, too. He could help them win for many years. But I think the two reasons why they don't sign him is the money. And it's not like they can't afford him, but he's going to cost more than any of the other options will cost or, or would have costed. Uh, I'm sure he's going to get a, a, a massive contract, probably bigger than Seager, right? And then it's the, the stuff with the Astros, too. I mean, my first spring training covering the team was – uh, 2020 before the the pandemic shut everything down, and I just remember how much animosity and disdain the the guys in the Yankees clubhouse had towards the Astros when all that sign stealing stuff just just came out right before spring training started. And you know, is Aaron Judge really going to be okay with adding one of the leaders from that Astros team and just embracing him as a leader in the Yankees clubhouse? Maybe he is. I don't know how I would feel if I was in that situation, but I don't think that the Yankees would want to bring somebody in with that that steep of a price tag when it could become some semblance of a distraction. You know, again, he's, he's so talented. He's going to help whatever team he goes to, but I just right now don't think that he's the, the perfect match with those two factors considered. I don't know if Trevor Story's the perfect match either because of his you know injury history and is he a good fit? He's not a left-handed hitter. Is his production from from the time of the Rockies padded because of course field, the elevation, and all that stuff? But the prospect guys, Peraza and uh, and Volpe, aren't necessarily ready, you know. So it, it's really tough. I'm I'm curious to see what they do when the lockout ends. But to answer your question, long story short, I don't think as of now that that Correa is the one they end up signing. I'm I'm just gonna say this: if any. Part of the reason, whether how small or how little or how big it is, if they don't sign Korea because of the scandal, they're not trying to win. That is not any part of the reason why you don't get him. Okay, if you want to not get him because he's going to cost at least 10 or 11 years for 345 plus, okay, I... I'm with that. But Aaron Judge should just want to win. Every other guy on that roster should just want to win. And also, Trevor Story, I don't think he's it either. But if the Yankees also go another way at it, I I think Correa would take a short-term deal or deal with opt-outs with bulk money up front, right? If... If, if, say, Yankees were to do, like, a nine-year, $289 million deal, first opt-out after year three, right? But but he gets, like, $100 million guaranteed and in, 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 in whatever the AAV is, 25-plus a year, maybe something like that, 30-plus, something, something like that. He might do that because... He's going to kill it in these next three years, right? Which is what you're signing for him anyway. If, if you're signing him to a 10-year deal, you're signing him for the first five. And for the back five, you don't care about because the first, the first five, he's going to be great at. That's what you're doing. And so that's all it is, is the Yankees should try to win. And if they don't get Correa or Story, that means to tell me, they're so high on Anthony Volpe or Oswaldo Praza, but you know what? They they better hit then because if you pass and you can't get five premium shortstops, well, four because Lindor stayed with the Mets, if, if you didn't get any of those prospects and both or one of these two are busts, that's a problem. Yeah, no, you, you made a lot of good points. I mean, I think that Something that maybe hasn't been considered as much is the fact that even if they did sign him to a long-term deal, Correa that is, I'm not sure that he would really play shortstop for that much longer. I mean, he's what, 26, 27 yeah, right now? Yeah, he's going to be 27. Yeah, I mean, I mean, theoretically, you'd have him play short for maybe a year or two or three, and then you've got those young guys that are going to take over and be there for 
a decade plus. I guess that's the, the perfect scenario for them. So would Correa want to go to a team that he may not be the franchise shortstop? He may have to go to third. And it's, it's like an A-Rod situation. Uh, but obviously they're not having a, a Derek Jeter already in place. So you're right. I mean, prospects are always a crapshoot to a certain extent. And that's why I think you could, you know, not to open up another can of beans here, but you, you could consider trading a, a guy like uh, Dominguez or one of those two shortstops if you're getting a known commodity this offseason when Yankees do need to be in win-now mode. I know the, the fan base is getting pretty frustrated because it's been – it's been really long since this. It, it's been a really long time since this team has been in contention for a championship for for New York market standards. So I get it. I, I think that he would help right away and make this team a whole lot better. And what you said about them wanting to win right now, I think, is a is a great point. And you have to figure that Cashman and Steinberg and all those guys are, are thinking about that as well. They have to. And if you're looking at the um, the Yankees division as a whole. Um, Tampa's not going anywhere. Toronto's only going to get better. Um, you got Boston, who literally made the playoffs and went to the American League Championship Series. If it wasn't for the Baltimore Orioles, the Yankees would probably be in last place. The AL East is such a competitive division. The Yankees have to keep up. So what can the Yankees, what else moves do the Yankees have to do? What are they going to do about pitching? That's another good question. Uh, I think that they might have missed out on a couple guys that, that signed before the lockout, but there are still a couple options left. You know, you could try to involve one of the, uh, the A's starters if you're going to go out and try to trade for Matt Olson, really make it a blockbuster if you include a pitcher as well. Uh, Carlos Rodon is another name that's, been tossed around, he could kind of fit the mold of the starters that they've signed in recent years, kind of like a Corey Kluber type of vibe, someone that's been really good but also has the injury concerns. You're not really 100% sure what you're getting. But I will say that pitching really wasn't that much of an issue for this team. I think the offense was really the more glaring need that this team had to address this offseason because there were a lot of stretches this past season where the offense was not pulling their weight and the pitching staff, especially the bullpen too, with a lot of young arms that I think are, are, are in the process of breaking out and can continue to next year. Loisaga, King, uh, Clay Holmes, I, I could go on. I think that the priority right now with coming out of the lockout and potentially only having couple days, couple weeks before the, the biggest names come off the board, you got to focus on the offensive guys at least in my opinion, as I, I sit here right now. So I don't know who that is. I thought that, you know, maybe they would have gone after uh, Starling Marte and, and, and those types of free agents because trades are always uh, up in the air. You, you never know how negotiations would go. Uh, but, you know, with pitching, they probably should sign a starter. I'm just not sure if it's going to be a top, top tier to, to have a number two right next to Garrett Cole because you do have a, a pretty solid mid to to bottom part of the, the pitching staff and and Cole is going to be another Cy Young contender next year as well. Most most people on Yankee Twitter probably want Matt Olson packaged with Sean Manaya. Um a lot of people like me, my myself and maybe James, I I think we'd be okay with Anthony Rizzo and Carlos Rendon. And I think you're right. Pitching is not the problem. Are the Yankees five starting pitching right now going into next season? I think is fine. That that's gonna win you games. The bullpen is gonna win you games. But it's it's the hitting. And you know doing a trade like this with the A's or I don't know, maybe the Indians for superstar Jose Ramirez. They're going to try to tax the Yankees where if if you don't want to give up Dominguez for for any of those three players of Manaya, Olsen, or Ramirez, I, I understand. But that means you're then giving up uh, Medina or Volpe or Peraza or who they maybe should have traded for Stroman years ago, Devin Garcia, right? You're, you're going to give up for those three players 
two really great prospects, three or four of them, maybe some cash. So what do you think is more likely, doing a big trade like that or just dumping off cash and doing free agent route? What's more likely? Um, I don't know how likely a, a, a huge blockbuster trade ever is. You know, there, there could be reports that a, a team is interested in somebody, but at the end of the day, Oakland doesn't need to trade Olsen. I don't even know if Cleveland is really considering trading uh, Ramirez or, or their biggest name players, you know, as much as they're small market teams and would love to offload some money while the value for those guys is still astronomically high they're going to ask for a lot same with baltimore and cedric mullins same with pittsburgh and brian reynolds like those guys are incredible players and the team would would be asking for quite a bit for them understandably so um so it would have to be the perfect situation uh with with the negotiations the relationships between the gms and the owners and all that stuff so i i guess just with that in mind i'd say it's more likely that they sign free agents because the free agents have to go somewhere and coming out of the lockout, you know, who knows how it's going to work with how much time teams have before spring training starts and the excitement of, you know, getting activity back underway after so long, so many, so many weeks and months had passed before, you know, teams were allowed to, to talk to players and, and teams even acknowledge the fact that players exist with, with all the, you know, the, the, things going on with the lockout right now so i would say that i don't have the the list of free agents available that are left in front of me but i think that that's definitely more likely um just trying to look ahead does how steinbrenner even care about the yankees it seems like you know he's penny penny it's hard it's easy to blame cashman but i feel like hal steinbrenner doesn't have that same love and care about the Yankees, like saying he did or his father did. Uh, I I would I would assure you that he does care. I mean, he he wants his team to succeed just as much as anyone else. I think that maybe a lot of fans look past the uh, repercussions that teams have to deal with if they go past the luxury tax threshold. So that's something that's on the mind of a lot of. Uh, big market teams, even if it seems like they can afford it. And yeah, I know they are being, ah, what's the word? I'm not cautious, but they're, they're being smart with how much they're spending uh, with that in mind. Yeah. You could say that too. I mean, you can list off different scenarios of, of things that they didn't do in retrospect that they should have. But at the end of the day, when, when this topic comes up with me, I mean, they had a they they had a championship caliber roster this past season, in my opinion. But a lot of players underperformed, and that's not really Steinbrenner's fault. That's not really Cashman or even Boone's fault. I mean, a lot of it comes down to these guys just didn't play to their potential. And so, when you enter a season with with a roster on paper that looks pretty darn good, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to go all the way. But all an organization can do is try to put the best players out there that they think will gel and succeed. So that's why, you know, there, there are changes that need to be made this winter. And it's interesting how passive and and inactive they were before the lockout, because I do think that this past season showed that this core maybe isn't going to have what it takes to, to win a title, at least with, with the guys on this roster right now. But you know, if if LeMahieu and and Torres and Sanchez play a lot better on offense, and Severino comes back from his injury and plays better, and Chapman doesn't have his inconsistencies in the bullpen, I could go on. You, you could chime in too. I mean, there are a lot of players that just didn't satisfy in many different yeah, struggles. Yeah, you know. I go mean, ahead. from. From just looking at the players, I completely give up on Gleyber Torres. Any anything we get, I'll 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 just take that and run with that. Gary defensively is good. You know, at random times, I think the one E stuff got to stop. That is is a fifty fifty thing. You really don't know. DJ, I'm gonna chalk up last year as. 
he plays her for probably the last two months of the season. So hopefully that's the worst he'll ever be as Yankee. Gio is good. You you know what you're gonna get from that. If Seve can pitch a whole year with him and Cole, that probably gets us at least four wins a month if if each makes four starts a month. So I'm good with that. The bull the bullpen I'm good with, but we need long starts in April, May, so we're not burning out that bullpen by by, by July. Um I also think the bulk of this team needs the continued success of Stanton and Judge. You know, if if Stanton can play more games in the outfield, less DH, and can play four or five days a week, that's mage, right? Judge Judge plays outfield a little DH more. You know, they'll they'll probably re-sign Gardner, and that's not a bad thing because you know what you're gonna get from him. Plays good, really good defense, fast. Good clubhouse leader, and he'll he'll have two okay months, bad months, but then he'll have two really great months when you need him most. But the bulk of it is, is I guess, from the other three starters in the rotation and the chance of an injury. And who is Glaber Torres? Is Glaber Torres? The 22-year-old star that everybody's talking about his age and hitting 38 home runs? Or is he the guy who can't throw the ball and this is that second baseman and can strike out so much to where he hates the game of baseball and forgets to run the first base because he doesn't care anymore? So so I guess that's the major question. Who is Glaber Torres? Well, we'll have to wait and see, right? I mean, I, we've we've seen the the best and the worst from from Glaber so far. I, I think that just off the top of my head, what comes to mind is just how much positivity the the coaches have have spoken in terms of of Glaber and the other players, just from all the press conferences and interactions from this past year that he is working hard. And same goes for for Gary too. That these guys do want to get back to the success that they had when they were younger and fulfill their potential. I think that the defensive struggles for, for Glaber kind of carried over to what he was doing on offense and maybe his approach wasn't, wasn't as good. So, you know, we'll see what he can do with a new hitting coach, two new assistant hitting coaches coming out of the lockout with a fresh start in the spring starting at second base, knowing you're not going to have to deal with, with the, the, the pressures and, and the, you know, the, the challenges of being an everyday shortstop, which I guess he didn't turn out to be cut out for, which is okay. Not everyone can, can be the starting shortstop for the New York Yankees. It's, it's easier said than done. Um, I think he can have a great year at second base. I think that he can uh, provide a lot of pop to the, you know, bottom half of the order, depending on where they end up putting him. Um, and there were some stretches where we saw the the improvements and the, the flashes of the old Glaber Torres this past season. So, you know, <laughs> I think you could factor in the, the whole baseball and, and what balls did did he happen to, to square up. And if it was the right. 2020 balls or the 2021 ball, whatever, I, I don't have to get into that. But, you know, he, the, the talent is still in there. Uh, he just has to to figure it out, and I think that you have to have faith in him. He's still so young, and the potential is still very much there. But after a while, as it is in this business, it's a it's a show me industry. And if he doesn't put the product out there at a certain point, the Yankees have to move on. But until then, you gotta you know try to stay positive about the situation if you're if you're a fan out there. At least in my opinion. My only fear, and this is kind of like the biggest fear, I talked to Nick about this on the pod, is if they, if part of the CBA approves where, like, they expanded the playoffs, and now it's like, you know, the top seed get to buy, and, and the other winners get to pick their opponents, it'll make me feel like the Yankees will basically just half-ass it, meaning, like, they'll just get the their minimum, get like an Alderton Simmons or somebody, and then just be content with making the playoffs. Do you think that that's a real fear factor that, you know, if, if part of the new CBA is expanded playoffs, because it feels like that's where we're heading towards? 
Well, I think that making the playoffs would have a different meaning if if that would be the case. Um, but we've seen in recent years that teams that sneak in can still go on a run if you have the pitching and you have the, the durability on your roster and the star power and, and the experience to to excel in the postseason and to, to get hot at the right time. So, you know, the, the Yankees make the playoffs every year. So for them to, to sneak in still in, a, in an expanded format would certainly not be uh, the primary option of what they're shooting for. But at the end of the day, you just want to be in contention to, to get to the World Series and to, to try to win a ring, right? So if you expand the postseason, then every team has to kind of adjust to, to how the league would be and how that impacts tanking and what teams are, what draft picks teams are going to get. It's not like the NBA or, or NFL with, with draft picks, but you know what I mean. So I, I think that's something to consider once all of that, you know, once the, the smoke clears coming out of the lockout. But I don't think that's necessarily on the forefront of everyone's minds. They want to put a team out there that's going to win. And if they make the playoffs, that's good, because then they're still eligible to make the World Series and, and win a trophy at the end of the day. The lockout started December 2nd. Um, I don't think any of us really have to worry of a delay of a season until the calendar is February. Because then you get into two weeks before Valentine's Day, and that's usually and that's usually when pitchers and catchers start, right? Then they have a couple weeks of that, then spring training, and all of that is for the pitchers. So when when do you think serious talks will start happening? And at some point, if we get to the third week of January, do you think players would just take the best deal they can just so their season isn't compromised? Well, the, the players can't take a deal or, or negotiate on anything until the lockout like officially ends. So that would really depend on how the negotiations go and, and when everything resumes. I do think that, at least I'm trying to stay optimistic about it, that, that the season won't be uh, cut short and, and the start of everything will, will still be relatively close to on time. I mean, you have to figure that with all of this extra time this winter that they'd be able to come to some sort of deal because I don't think either side of the negotiations wants the regular season to be delayed or postponed considering the the money that both sides would lose and the way that things have been these last couple of years with COVID. So, you know, maybe, like you said, very early February is when pitchers and catchers start to show up to, to camp. Maybe that part gets delayed and teams don't start the free agency section of the offseason and reporting to camp until later in the month of February, if not early March. And then there are just less games. I think that you don't necessarily need a month and a half to get ready once you're at that level because of all the, the equipment and technology that these guys have at their own personal facilities and you can get ready remotely. It's just the only thing that really matters at that point based on what I've heard, and I'm, I'm new to covering baseball, so i got to learn more about this too, uh, is just you know getting your timing down, and that's why it's easier for pitchers at the start because you can throw into a net and, and you know, quote-unquote, air quotes, face hitters all offseason. But for hitters to step in in a game-like atmosphere and face a, a big league pitcher, that's not something you can really practice until spring training starts to a certain extent. So uh, I guess hitters would be at a disadvantage if everything you know gets rushed along and, and the season starts late or, or the season starts on time with the an abbreviated spring training. But I think everyone's considering all of those things. And again, at the end of the day, I don't think that opening day – is later, but uh, I've, I've been wrong before. I, I think that's definitely still within the realm of, of possibility, you know. With the Mets hiring Buck Showalter, how much pressure is it on the Yankees to win? I, I, don't, I don't know if that adds too much 
pressure more than there normally is. Uh, I guess it's all compounded by the lack of World Series success these last few years. But, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think the the Yankees-Mets rivalry is really that, like, prevalent right now. And maybe you guys disagree. I mean, that Subway Series this past season was obviously very fun to watch and very competitive. But I don't think you really go into a season and be like, oh, who's going to do better, the Yankees or Mets? Like, they're not, I don't know what another example of that would be uh, across baseball where two teams in the same market are just consistently contending and, and could win a World Series. Because both those two teams haven't really been <laughs> making that much noise uh, late postseason-wise in the last couple of decades. At least the, the Mets certainly haven't. Well, they, they made the World Series more recently than the Yankees did. Um, so, you know, Showalter obviously has that, that history within, within the Yankees organization. And maybe if he does better, more fans would come out and say, well, look, this is what we could have had, but you stuck with Aaron Boone. Again, I, I think it was a, a good decision to bring Boone back and just make a couple revisions to the coaching staff and, and see how it goes. But, you know, only time will tell. I think that what I'm most interested to see is how Showalter and his kind of old school approach is going to gel with analytics and, and the the way that teams act nowadays that is different than how it was when when Showalter first broke into the league and when he first started managing uh, you know b- before our times so it'll be interesting I, I think that Yankees into the Mets more but I don't know if there's more pressure per se so obviously Yankees haven't won since 2009 um as a franchise, they may see it as, okay, let's just get to the postseason. It's a crapshoot, right? And I guess for them, it's cool, right? And how obviously isn't in this to lose any money. Um, I'm, I'm fine with keeping Boone. You know, I don't I don't see wins and losses that big on managers anyway. At the end of the day, play, players got to play. Hitters got to hit. Pitchers got to pitch. The players can make the right move, not work for Aaron Boone. They, they can make the wrong move, work for Aaron Boone. Um, the, the base running stuff with... With Nevin the Sens, the running on contact from third to home, I get why it is, but that costs a lot of outs, over 22 outs. That's that's a big thing. Uh, the Sens in the playoffs, I have no problem with that because Joey Gallo, who a guy is supposed to be perfect for Yankee Stadium, let's all be honest here, other than a couple of moments, he sucked. So hopefully we get a better second year. A better full year from him, you know, maybe leaving from a small market to a big market with huge expectations, maybe that was a little too much for him, so let's see how he is in a full season, and maybe he'll play a little southern field, um, but, like, they gotta start winning to where most of the fans, playoffs just isn't enough anymore, Division title isn't enough anymore. An ALCS appearance isn't enough anymore. So, when do you think, even though I'm sure they try every season for the past 11 plus to win, when do you think they're going to start going out of World Series? Um, I mean, again, I think in theory they are going after a World Series every year, but I guess maybe with, you know, thinking of their their prospect pool and, and how they've acted early on this offseason, maybe they're on a, a three-year timeline or, or something like that. That's totally just speculating off the top of my head. They still have the the core that's, you know, the, the judges and the Coles and the Stantons. Those guys are right in the smack of their, their primes, you know, producing elite numbers, those those three that I mentioned, uh, among others. But, you know, if you're not going to win with those guys, you have to start to 
think of the future, and that's not that's, you, you don't really think of building with prospects when you think of the Yankees because it's a it's a big market and they're able to you know make the team better with how much money they have in their pockets, at least they have in the past. So, you know, who knows, even if they won a 120 games in the regular season, they could still get swept in the first round of the postseason. So no matter how good your roster is, you still have to put it together in October. And, and I'll say it again, it's, it's a crapshoot when you get that far too. So all they can do is put the best roster they, they possibly can out there each each April and and see where it goes and hope your guys stay healthy. Use your your coaching staff and training staff to bring the best out of your players, and and you you just cross your fingers from there. I mean, you make some moves at the trade deadline too, and and then you can be active after the season. And that's why I was so I don't know confused or, or curious to see why they didn't make more moves at the beginning of the lockout. But I do think the Yankees probably have a plan as to how they're going to act when the lockout ends, and. Maybe that's to sign Correa. Maybe it's to go after Story. Maybe it's a trade for Ols. There's so many different options still, even if they weren't active before. So I think there's still a good chance that they can uh, make a few moves, surprise the baseball world, and, and be even more of a contender for this year. But if they did nothing, they would still be, uh, in my opinion, like a fringe uh, championship contender roster if, if everything goes well. But if a lot of players you know, don't play up to their potential again, then it's another story. Okay. What, um, to, to, what do you think, um, the Yankees, um, if they sign, if they, if signing Correa takes away from Aaron Judge's extension, isn't that counterproductive? Don't you want, don't the Yankees have enough money to sign the Correa and extend Judge? I'm not sure. I mean, the, they already have so many big contracts, uh, for many years to come, with with Cole and Stanton, and uh, a lot of the you know mid tier types of contracts as well. I don't know if if they can afford another three hundred and and high two hundred million dollar contract. And afford is maybe the wrong word because I don't even know how much money these guys have. It's a lot more than I do. But I think that with the luxury tax and and how teams approach that kind of of cap in a way. I don't necessarily think they would want that type of thing, but I can't envision the Yankees choosing someone like Correa or, or, or somebody else in the next few years and just moving on from from Judge or trying to offload Stanton or, or Cole's contracts. I feel like they're married to those two guys, and Judge is the closest thing they've had to a captain in a really long time. So, it you know, just with that in mind, I feel like, Seeing Judge in pinstripes for many, many more years over Correa is far more likely. But who knows? You know, like one of you guys mentioned earlier, maybe Correa takes a shorter deal um, and they can, you know, start to work things out. But, I, you know, Cashman said early on this offseason that he's he's considering, you know, working with Judge on, on an extension, and that's got to happen soon if it's going to happen this offseason. But, again, a lockout really uh, – I'm sure change the, traje- the trajectory of, of plans for these guys. A few more before we get you out of here. Uh, mix mixed bag on this guy. People will say what ifs. People will say he didn't get a chance. But one, I'm glad he's gone. I'm glad he's not here. A waste of space anymore. And I say he did get his chance. Clint Frazier, you know... He made he made big deal about not being a Yankee anymore. He talks way too much on social media. Um, his play is okay when he's here, but what do you make of the whole totality of the Clint Frazier era with the Yankees? It was definitely an interesting one. Uh, just all the way back to when he was acquired, he was such a high prospect. I think that you know he had his opportunity at the beginning of this year um, to to really flourish in his role and take a starting job by the horns and and win it over for the whole year and his numbers just weren't there but it sounds like he wasn't completely healthy even this year and you know he's talked about on social media that he's going to reveal some 
information of how this whole year went with his injury and how the Yankees were treating him. Uh, so I'm very interested to see what he says from from his side of things down the road. I, I'm excited to see how he how he does in Chicago and a change of scenery with potentially more playing time. But there's a good chance that he doesn't produce there either. But I think at this point it was best for both sides to just have you know Frazier play elsewhere. Uh, but that's another example of how a top prospect isn't necessarily always going to turn out what 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 they you know could be and what what they should be because he was he was so highly touted when when he was acquired in the Andrew Miller trade he just didn't pan out to that extent you know and, and injuries play a role and roster construction and, and depth charts and playing time all of that plays a role so you know maybe he's an all-star in, in Chicago and he hits 35 home runs that's possible too but I think it's best for both sides and, and the drama's going away and uh, maybe they'll do a a thirty for thirty on on Fraser Simon. Someday I'm just kidding, but who knows? Um, what what are your thoughts on Gary Sanchez? Because he came out like like he came out like he was the best, and the Yankees are still high on him. Like, what do you think the Yankees do with catching? And if Gary ain't the guy, and we know Wells ain't ready. What did the Yankees do with catching after after 2021, assuming if Gary continues this downward tra- trajectory? I'm assuming that the reason why they didn't make a move at catcher yet is just because of the, you know, there, there isn't exactly a, a plethora of talent out there at that position. And even if Gary has struggled when he's, when he's playing well, he's still one of the best at his position in the game, at least offensively. And I, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but incrementally, I have seen him make improvements on defense. The, the bad is more glaring than the good at that position, especially because you're supposed to be blown. When you let a pass ball go by or, or you, you miss a throw, that, that really sticks with the fan base and, and the media for longer than the you know, the, the what, maroon pop-ups and stuff. Like, I, I get it that, that he still isn't playing well, but I do think that he's a good option for them to stick with for right now just because there aren't that many other guys out there. Not every team is going to have a Jorge Posada or Yadier Molina, the kind of guy that you can stick with for a decade and, and not have to worry about it. So he's still got some, some crazy pop. And maybe the the new hitting hitting coaches can bring the best out of him. And Tanner Swanson's getting his third year working with him as a, a catching coordinator too. So the the one knee down stance I think can continue to get better for him. He has a great arm. He he's throwing guys out, and I think that he he kind of compliments uh, Kyle Higashioka, who's not who's not the best hitter compared to Gary, but he's a, a really solid and reliable defender back there. Um, and the analytics agree with that too, with his framing, I believe. So, you know, you stick with that that duo for now, and maybe something pops up next off season in terms of a trade or or a signing. But depending on how Gary does, he, he's going to be a free agent soon too, if I'm not mistaken. So, all of these decisions are are uh, you know being made, and and they're all happening at the same time with when when Judge's contract is up, and and Gary and. In a few years, Glaber will be a free agent too. So those those baby bombers aren't aren't babies anymore, right? So you got to start to make those decisions about who's going to stick around with this next kind of era that this team is having. Who do you think will be NFL MVP? And between the AFC and, and NFC, who is in the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium, and why? Jeez. Um, Oh man, who would be MVP? It's so. I mean, uh, it could be Aaron Rodgers if he finishes the season strong. Uh, what's his name? Cooper Cup has been doing really well, but I don't know if they would give it to a a wideout. It's not going to be Patrick Mahomes because he's had some no. some down weeks. Um, Brady's always up there. 
I guess I'll say Rodgers. I feel like he's having a really good year, right? Uh, who do you guys think, first of all, before I come up with the Super Bowl pick? Um, either Brady or Rodgers, and Dark Horse is Jonathan Taylor just because he's doing so much right. good yeah. at, at the running back for the Colts, and he's a big part of the reason to the, to their success. Um, and if the on, the only way I'll say Mahomes wins MVP is because right now he got the streak, and you know even though his season as a total so far isn't that great, I think if he wins out and he gets better in stats, I think that's going to put him close. I got, um, I got right now Brady, number one, and then Rodgers. Um, my dark horse was going to be Derrick Henry, but he got injured. Mahomes is my dark horse, and then Taylor is my sleeper. So that's what I, I say. So right now, if I were to pick right now, it'll have to be Tom Brady. And then uh, Super Bowl, it's got to be Pat's Bucks, right? No, I mean, I, yeah. I, that was certainly... <laughs> oh my no, 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 no. Um, we don't want that. We don't want that. No, I mean, I, I could see the. I guess this year I've watched a good amount of Packers games. Um, my buddy covers the Vikings too, so I, I guess I pay a little more attention to that division than a normal New Yorker would. So I, I guess the Packers could be coming out of the NFC, uh, but Arizona's been really good, and, and I think the Bucks are, are really good too. And then AFC, man, I mean, it's hard to pick against the Chiefs, even with the struggles that they've had this year. I mean, they're still, well, like 10-4 and four at this point. So, I mean, Packers-Chiefs would be a pretty cool matchup quarterback-wise. Um, yes. Maybe I'll just... Uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll throw the Colts in there just because of how good Taylor's been. They got a good offensive line, defense. That'd be fun to see a a, a not front runner team make it that far. But I don't know if Carson Wentz has what it takes to to take them there. You know, so maybe that's a stupid pick. Um, last last yeah. last question. We're gonna end this with baseball. Um, they re-signed Aaron Boone. Gave him the contract. Do you think there's going to be a point to where, okay, listen. You know, we we won championships without the nerds looking at the stats. The last past couple years we got close, but didn't really get there lately. We've been struggling. Do, do you think they'll get to a point... To where to where they'll say, okay, you know what? Let's see if Aaron can really manage his team. Let's maybe back back off a little bit, give him the information, but let's not be like, okay, you have to use this information, you know, and and let's see how you can really run this ball club. Well, bottom line, I, I think I hinted at this earlier, but. This team has come really close to getting to that mountaintop when it comes to postseasons during during Boone's tenure where they're only a couple games away. Injuries really affect them during the season. Dealing with a pandemic these last two years, uh, injuries that, that... ...from guys that you're usually counting on, so... I, I do think that, that Boone is capable of leading this team to a World Series, and he really does seem to me like a player's manager that all the guys that have spoken about him over the course of the season, you know, we're not in the clubhouse as reporters, so I guess we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes, and I'm I'm still relatively new to the beat, so I'm still trying to build those relationships. Uh, but it seems like the players really do like playing for Boone and, and going to battle for him. And he's had those instances where he's gone out on the field and and had those interactions with, with umpires and stated his... I, I know that it gets frustrating for fans hearing his unwavering positivity in, in press conferences sometimes, but when you're dealing with adversity, 
and your team is expected to win and it's not entirely your fault at a certain point, like I understand where he's coming from. And sometimes there, there just isn't too much to be said. So it, it doesn't hurt to just stay optimistic and, and try to stay positive about the situation. So, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. If he doesn't end up winning a title with this team, it'll be easier to look back and say that he wasn't the answer. But I think he gets more blame sometimes than he deserves because at the end of the day, if your players aren't performing to where they should be, then they're really the ones at fault. And I think that that's something that Cashman was alluding to at the very end of the season too, uh, and, and something leading up to the trade deadline to where we've got this really talented roster in place and we've got a good coaching staff and we're putting money in and we're making these decisions, but they just didn't end up winning like we thought they would. Right. So they could still turn it around this coming year or, or in the next few years. But I think they've got this three year window with Boone where who knows, maybe they could end up extending him if, if things go really well, but if not, then maybe by then uh, it'll be time to make a change. Absolutely. Max, before we get you out of here, let our people know where they can find you and your work. My, my Twitter is at Max T. Goodman, and that's that's pretty much where I'm, I'm the most active. I'm talking about the Yankees, and that's going to start to get more active once the lockout comes to a close. And, and really excited for spring training and a lot of content on the way, but... My Yankee site is, is si.com slash MLB slash Yankees. And I also run the, the Jets site over there as well, which is si.com slash NFL slash Jets. So. That's, that's awesome. Um, love, love your stuff on Twitter. The videos is in spring training and, and all the inside stuff do with that, with you and all the other wonderful Yankee beat writers do there. Are, and, you know, I know this Omicron variant is touching strong, but but I I hope at some point in your beat writing career, you guys, especially you, get to be in that clubhouse because that's where most of the stuff got to be, right? Pre-game, post-game, you know, there there has to be a lot more time for interviews, but it seems like... Just that precaution, I think it's going to stay a Zoom world, and that's just unfortunate. Yeah, I'm waiting for my first, you know, normal year <laughs> on the beat because I started right when when COVID started. So, you know, I'm grateful to be in this position. I, I can't complain too much, but I definitely would would like to, to get back in the clubhouse and start to interact with those guys and girls in person more often because right now you know it's tough to build relationships on zoom i guess everyone around the world is dealing with that uh to a certain extent but you know we'll see hopefully things get better uh in the new year knock on wood absolutely uh, merry well, christmas man and a happy new year yeah you guys too uh i'll uh i'll talk to you uh at some point in the new year too i'm, I'm sure but Hopefully spring training starts on time, right? Yes, sir. Take care, buddy. Take care. Yeah, happy holidays, guys. You too.